Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, hi, 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 hi. Uh, this is Cinebuds. I'm 89's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about small acts. These are new types of human beings. They are not demoralized or defeated persons. They are leaders, but are rooted deep among those they lead. Small Axe is the new TV miniseries or series of films. Either way, it is five works of art from director Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen is famous for 12 Years a Slave and uh, other films. And here he is... Uh, handling a community that is near and dear to his heart. Small Axe is based on the real-life happenings of London's West Indian community set between 1969 and 1982. There are five films in this set of varying lengths. The first one, Mangrove, is... I think it's over like a little over two hours long. Yeah. And then some of them are like between an hour or two uh, Steve McQueen said that he wanted it to be a TV series. He said he wanted his mom to watch it. Yeah. He know, wanted, and he wanted it to be available. Yeah, he wanted everyone to be able to see it. How did you like it, Christopher? So you were very, you're a very ambitious human being, and you've seen all of them, which is like seven hours. And I watched the first one, so I have a good start. Okay. Um, but I watched Mangrove, and I watched it last night, and it it reinvigorates my passion for Steve McQueen. <laughs> Yeah, it's a brilliant movie. It's wonderful. It stressed me out <laughs> to, to the nth degree, uh, which was very successful. And it's it's beautifully made. I, I loved it. I also loved it, too. Um, part of the reason that I loved it is because it tells a story um, that I don't know. Right. You know, um, what is the extent to which I know the experiences of. West Indian immigrants to London in the 70s and 80s, literally nothing. Right. And so I had no idea that that this had happened or um, or really anything about race relations in a country that's not the United States. So I thought that it was like really interesting to find that out. And then the the first episode, the one that you watched, uh, Mangrove, is a courtroom drama. And courtroom dramas are have been done many times in many places. I thought it was interesting because I watched uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 like the next day. Yeah. It's two very different approaches to the courtroom drama. Yeah. Um, but this one this one was very good. Yeah, it's also interesting. I saw um, there's a doc that we showed uh, as a member screening to uh, Milwaukee Film. It was called White Riot. And it was about the punk scene in England uh, that fought against this racist movement uh, in their country in the 80s, 70s, 80s, I think. It's just interesting when I watch that and then this kind of reinforced it is thinking about the thing that we are saying, we see all the time here in, in this country, just seeing it play out and seeing the history of another country's battle with it is uh, is both disheartening and and hopeful because you see the same people fighting the same... Uh, the same or similar fight that we are. So 
Um, but Steve McQueen uh, is such a masterful storyteller and a stylistic one, but not like in your face stylistic. He's subtle. He's a little bit subtler. Honestly, watching watching all five episodes, um, I really looked into Steve McQueen afterwards because I had yeah. just known him from Twelve Years a Slave, Shame, um, Hunger. These these like his his big ones in the in the film in in film, and I was wondering if this if this was like the story of his life because it's so focused on yeah. West Indian immigrants, and it's like yes, his his uh, his parents were uh, were from Grenada and Trinidad. Yeah. And, and he, so, and, and then they immigrated to England. So this is something that he knows and is near and dear. And I felt like I really got to know Steve McQueen through these. Yeah. And, uh, and you watched the first one and you did not watch the second one. I Lovers rock my guy. We're going to talk more about it in the podcast. Come right back. We make it our mission to amplify positivity, so we're starting 2021 with gratitude. Thank you for supporting the Radio Milwaukee team. Because of you, we're still here to be your work-from-home companions, your go-to for music discovery, and more. We're excited to bring you new projects this year, plus the programming you know and love. Want to help us make it? Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to join today. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank, proud supporter of Milwaukee Film, offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to Milwaukee Film at associatedbank.com slash mkefilm. Member FDIC. Okay, and we're back. Christopher. Yes. So, Christopher, you only watched the first one? Listen, I don't have a lot of disposable time. I'm very busy. What, I have, are you, what, are you, what are you busy doing? I have a lot uh, What do you of, got? What do you, what do you got? I have a lot of meals to prepare. Mm. Al- almost three a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walk my dog. Mm. I mean, I'm not even starting on the number of naps I need. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I did. I, I did. I, Small Axe has been on my radar since it, it played at the New York Film Festival a few months ago and I saw it and I had never even heard that it was happening. And, but I saw Steve McQueen and I was like, I tried to get access to it, but in that festival, you're a little bit more limited in what you can watch and the timing and everything. So I missed it. So I'm like, Oh, I have to see it when it's available. So it, since it has been available, I've been like, I got to dig in, but the holidays, I feel like make me watch it. Rewatch things. Yeah, Blade or every Harry Potter movie. And I'm like, I know I'm not <laughs> yeah. spending my time correctly. Oh, but- <laughs> oh, I don't have time to watch seven hours of movies, but no. I do have time to watch 20 hours of Harry Potter. <laughs> no, you're in- you're interesting, correct. Interesting choice. That's accurate <laughs> depiction of how my life went for the past few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't, like, my brain couldn't handle anything good or heavy. Yeah. Do yourself a favor because and watch the second film every plan to do so yeah the second one is called lover's rock have you heard anything about this one is that with uh daniel no 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 okay so lover's rock it is the it is one hour the entire hour is just one party in this in this flat in london and it's all these it is like it, it 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 is 
it is a poem as a film. Like nothing really happens. There's there's like no there's no like for the hour there's no like sense of story. There's no I mean there's there's like a very thin and small one, but most of it you're just observing this house party and it is so beautifully done. Yeah. It is it is incredible. I had um I think in the in the, like the pandemic I I don't I don't like yearn to be in a s- small room with a large group of people. Mm-hmm. I, I I I just I I haven't I haven't like desired that as much as some other. I mean, it would be nice, yeah. And I I am looking forward to like when we can do that. But once um, once we can do that without becoming riddled with disease instantly, then yeah. I'll, I'll happily indulge. I'm, yeah. I'm patient. Yeah. Um, but this made me. Watching Lovers Rock made me like plan the house party that I'm going to have. <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, I'm going to get this marimba player and we're going to like play marimba. And then I'm going to get like this person because this entire episode, you know, so you're watching this house party and it's like these guys, these DJs come in and they, they like bring the speakers and you see everybody come in and everyone just looks so cool. And the shots are so great of these West Indian uh, British immigrants. And then the the music that they play, it is all like dub that was happening in, in Jamaica and in London in the late seventies. And they, these people are just rocking to these like dubs. And I love dub, you know, and I, and I love, like, I love the music of that era. And from that time, and usually a house party is like, let's play the hits, you know? And you, it is like the thing that gets people dancing is the songs that people know the most. But he, like hearing people and watching people immaculately dressed and looking so good dancing to dub was just so beautiful to behold. And there was this one scene where everybody is dancing. And they play this song by Janet Kay called Silly Games. I don't know Janet Kay. I did not know Janet Kay before. And they play Silly Games. And the DJ turns the volume down. And instead of them like going to the next song, everyone starts singing the song. And it's a song that has like a lot of air in it. So there's like, there's these spaces where you just hear like the floors creaking and people's like clothes rustling up and then they like continue singing this song for like longer than the actual song is i was so inspired by this scene that i went onto discogs and i i looked for janet k's album capricorn woman which came out in 1982 and they never did a repressing or anything like that and there were only two available for 70 euros import only from italy and i bought one that's 70 euros. That's like $6. So that's fine. 70 euros. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and I, I was just, I was so taken by lovers rock the, like the vibe 
and the the atmosphere of it, I absolutely loved everything about it. And it also made me look into Steve McQueen because I had just like known him from those tentpole movies that he's done as like a you know big director man. Yeah. And uh, then I like looked into it, and he was, uh, he's like he is very experimental because that 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 film Lovers Rock is extremely experimental in its in the way that it's shot. Yeah, I was going to ask because the first, because Mangrove is, I mean, essentially straightforward, straightforward in the telling of a story, though he does have his stylistic touches visually and everything. And then it sounds like this one is more experimental, more like stylish and just like a, a, a vibe and a mood, uh, even yeah. though from what I understand, there is still that background of violence uh, and, yeah. and and that kind of thing, which I think the th- there's a bit of theme throughout uh, these films. All of them, yeah. So what, what about the third one is red, white, and blue. And that one stars John Boyega. Yeah. Um, is that one, is that a mix of the two or is that, uh, is that similar to the mangrove? All the rest of them are pretty straightforward. Okay. Red, red, white, and blue. They're all pretty straightforward narratives that rely kind of like heavier on, on the plot and telling the story of what happened. And lover's rock is just a vibe pure yeah. vibes but yeah. red white and blue is great john boyega uh, plays a police officer and it was you know the story of what it is to be a police officer as to you know to be to be in that system as uh as a black man at that time to uh, right. like already be a minority and then to like be in this system where he is like doing it for the greater good you know like he wants to do it for all the right reasons and then you know the you know, the struggle that it is to be a police officer when you have uh, racist police officers around you that are doing right. racist things. And I think it, it did a great job of telling that story too. And uh, the next one, Alex Whittle, I mean, they were all very good. And then education at the end is a look into like the education system at that time and how they treated immigrants and kind of, they all like create this patchwork of what is systemic racism. You know, right. it just like, it really allows you to like understand like this is systemic racism. Like systemic racism is not just one thing. It's not just like one person being being bad to another here is the system you know here is at the last one is education here is um here is institutions it shows kind of like these large institutions and how right. and how uh that that happened but also but not just that i think that's why i like lovers rock because it provides this like the vibe on it to show you that these this is life can be beautiful as well yeah. See, that's what's wonderful is because – so going back to Mangrove too and from what you say about Lover's Rock. So the first part – so much so much of Mangrove, I'd say the first third or, or half is so stressful to watch because yeah. it is nonstop harassment by the police. And whoever – I forgot the name of the actor who plays the evil policeman – he did such a good job that I I wanted to hurt him so bad. <laughs> and I know yeah. he's an actor. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was watching it. I took a break and I am a, and I am fully aware that I am a, a straight white male in America. I, I am not experiencing these things. Yeah. And if I am feeling the amount of stress from this film, Dude, I mean, yeah. obviously it, it is an unbelievable fraction of the stress of the reality of it. Obviously. But that's the skill of Steve McQueen is like f- making me freak out at this movie and realizing how 
real it is is based on real things mm-hmm. and it's also based on millions of real events so uh, incredibly effective uh and then the scenes of the people celeb of like dancing in the restaurant mangrove is the restaurant and yeah. watching these people celebrate their restaurant and their community with dancing and joking around with each other and, and totally. giving each other shit here and there is so pleasant. And so it's such a relief yeah. <laughs> from the stress, but it's also so delightful to see the joy that happens. So that's, yeah. I, I would imagine that's why he included lovers rock lovers yeah. rock uh, to show that as well. And when yeah. I was, was, I watched right afterwards, I watched a bunch of YouTube uh, clips of Steve McQueen's interviews and stuff. And he oh, yeah. talked about how all these films are examples of what you can accomplish when everyone comes together. He said, that's the very mm-hmm. clear solution is that when you get a lot of people together working for the same thing, totally. um, you can accomplish things. And so it was kind of wonderful to see, to see that in the first film and to hear that it is like a, a nice through line. Yeah. And, um, I, I think throughout he did such a great job of of uh, of capturing that time visually. I was like, how did they, you know, how did he do this? How does it like it? It looks like the seventies, you know. Yeah. It, it is like the the transformation. There there is this one scene. I don't remember which one it's in, but this kid walks into this record store in London. And it is like an all reggae record store. And they, yeah. the camera just like pans and like behind the counters, like two big old Rastas. And yeah. they like are panning through the whole thing. And I was just like, my God, what I would give to be in this record store. And uh, it, like, and the scenes in Mangrove too, of the, of, of Mangrove, you know, yeah. what, like what a spot. He just like did such a great job of showing that. And I really like, I like Lover's Rock because, of the the artistic perspective because all i know is those big steve mcqueen set pieces and then i look back into it and like you were watching the interviews it's like steve mcqueen like went to tish which is like nyu um film school and uh, i I think he dropped out because at least the quote that i remember him he he said uh they wouldn't let you throw a camera in the air (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i was like I, I don't think of experimental when I think of Steve McQueen, but uh, after watching some of these, I was like, I see that, I, and I, 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 I see that that leaning and that that artist within him. Uh, it, was, it was it was great to see that. Uh, yeah, he play. started out as a video artist. I, I didn't and, know that. <laughs> yeah, and he got uh, the Turner Prize, which in England is the highest prize for a visual artist you can get. He's uh, a CBE, so he's. I don't know if he's technically a knight. He is Sir Steve Steve McQueen. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so he he's accomplished a ton, and he's fifty one, and he's done a, a lot of stuff. But it is interesting to know that he started out as a video artist and then transitioned into feature mainstream feature films. Because the funny thing about <laughs> I'm a big fan, and yet I have not seen his biggest picture, which is Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> For some oh, really? reason, for some reason that I mean, it's oh, it's been in my queue for years, but I've yet to see it. But I've seen all his other stuff, except for obviously these the the rest of the series, which I'm working on. Yeah, but uh, hunger and shame—they definitely have those elements 
uh, I wouldn't even call it experimental. I would just call it a style, a very distinct style. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he focuses on history here and there, but then he focuses on just like human frailty. Uh, it, mm-hmm. He's, it, he's very accomplished and varied. Um, and I, I find him very interesting. Also, he, I want to, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he does a bit of that, like Spike Lee, like bringing in the past. Like you're, if you're yeah. watching it and you are t- like me, totally unfamiliar with the subject. Right. And I was like, I don't know if this is real, if this really happened or not. And then he like brings in the historical documentation and, and shows it to be like, this is the actual story of what really happened. And I, I appreciated that as someone who is a dumb, dumb on the, you know, exactly. these issues. Exactly. I looked up a couple of people. There was a photo that came up of a historical figure I wasn't aware of. And then I was like, Oh, he was a, uh, I, w- I want to say he was a Jamaican, a leader uh, or like a revolutionary in Jamaica. I believe that's mm-hmm. what I, but I was like, Oh, I got to look all these people up. And then later on when I was watching those YouTube videos, I found an amazing interview between Steve McQueen and Cornell West. Oh, and if, man. You've, if you've never heard Cornell West talk, Oh, I love Cornell. West. It is just, it's so impressive to hear him talk. Oh my God. Probably yeah. one of the smartest humans alive currently. And he's also very inspiring to listen to and having the two of them, yeah. who, and Steve McQueen also just a very erudite guy. And he has a yeah. wonderful British accent. Um, listening to the two of them talk. I was just like, I can, I can probably take about 30 minutes of this before my brain fuses together. Right. But, right. Right. But it was so good. And they were talking about everything from Paul Robeson to Prince to Beyonce, <laughs> to like Beyonce and then experimental film. Oh, I got to watch that. It's so Carter good. West, he's like, he's got style, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. He's a very inspired speaker and he's got a great look. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's got style when he talks. Yeah. You know? He's, he's, you listen he's to him and I believe talk. every word he says. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, small acts. You at least watch Lovers Rock, and the rest of them. Mangrove is the longest one; it's over two hours. The rest of them are kind of like around an hour. Um, I will say, I also love this experiment. I mean, not experiment. I love this project and how committed you have to be to make five films, and they're all connected. That's a lot of work and a lot of space. And so I, I'm definitely going to dig into the rest of this because I want to be able to experience this as a whole piece. But I, yeah. I find this to be if this, if if I had not, if I is this twenty is twenty twenty yeah if I had seen this before this would have been rocketed to the top of my uh, best of list for twenty twenty had I seen it in time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like NPR, I was listening to Terry Gross, and um, they had she had the. NPR film and TV critics and they were like kind of discussing like is this a TV series is it film and the film guy was like it doesn't matter um yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think Lo- Lovers Rock was like his favorite film of the year right. I was like right on that's true I guess it doesn't matter it's fun to debate uh but yeah I I would I would refer to them as films they feel like films to me yeah um small x the entire thing all five of them are on Amazon Prime watch them i've just like i was like i'm just gonna put on lovers rock to just like have in the back in the background as i'm like doing <laughs> yeah, things. you know it's, yeah. it's just it's just beautiful um okay go watch it yeah all right christopher yes what else have you been watching my dude 
Um, that's a great question. What have I seen? Harry Potter. <laughs> you know what? I have. I've seen a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> well, how are they holding up? How are they doing? Did you watch? Did you? Uh, were you a reader of the books? No. I, it's one of those weird uh, blind spots because people, when I, I if I met, if, if it ever comes up, they're like, "Oh, you ever read them? You got to read them." And I, and they get so passionate about it that it. 100% shuts me out. Shuts totally me down. Totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. And I'm it's like, sure I've read them all. And yeah. I've read them all a million times. And uh, mostly when I was in fourth and fifth grade and sixth grade. And yeah. if you like, if you read them when you're in sixth grade, they meant a, the world to me. You know, yeah. they, they got me interested in reading books. But if you are uh, not in grade school and if yeah. you are like if if you are reading them now they are not going to mean as much to you um Absolutely. As- i've talked to so many adults who came to them as an adult as adults who are like just as passionate as any child and i worked at bookstores when those things came out i saw the midnight releases where it's like hundreds of children dressed up I as was there, baby yeah exactly yeah. uh how did you not read them then <laughs> because i we got to dig into this for like two minutes. Yeah, we do. I have this level of anxiety about reading because I love reading so much. and I love books so much. Yeah. And I realize that I'm mortal and I will die one day. Yeah, you will. So I feel like the time that I spend reading is so <laughs> important that I can't, I don't want to like throw it away. And I'm not saying it would be throwing it away to read Harry Potter. I believe that they're good based on whatever I believe that. Yeah. But I already know the stories. I've already experienced it in one way so thoroughly that I feel like reading them is not going to be necessary for me. And I don't want to spend that much time. This is some real existential angst. <laughs> I know. I got to tell you when I'm reading a book, I don't like to stop and quit a book, but I will. If I think like I am wasting my time on this, I, <laughs> I need to move on. Well, to that's, something that's, that's, a, that's some true existential anxiety yeah um i don't feel that way with movies because they're faster i will say though that uh the books hit different than yeah than the movies and and they are extremely good and i think that you yeah, would enjoy them i, I did that. i read like the eighth one uh last year because i was like i was reading some like really abstract stuff and i was like i just want to read something that has a plot and sure. characters, you know, and that I can follow and will be fun. And I was like, I just really like needed the like structure of, of that. And I was, I was also like, I haven't read any of them in years and years. And I was like, I, you know, I wonder if they hold up. And I, I took hold of the eighth book, which is like, I don't know, like something like 600, 700 pages. And uh, I read it in like a week. I mean, I was reading like a hundred pages a day. It, it's still like as an adult man gripped me. Uh, yeah, that's what it says. They're quick reads too. They are very quick, and and it honestly, it's just it's just extremely good writing. Yeah, it, it's very it's it's very good, and I don't think that you'll feel the existential dread because you'll probably just be so caught up in it because the writing is just flat down great. Yeah, I believe but, all yeah. of everyone. Yeah, yeah, just can't do it. That's okay though. I I enjoy. Yeah. And I, I never want to make you do something you don't want to do. Or you know. please stop pressuring me. I will. I I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I will ask you every week from now yeah, on. I know. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to point out is I did. I've been doing a lot of rewatching of things, and uh, I watched Enter the Dragon last night. 
Oh, man. It's just, I it? love that movie so much. And I am always so uh, drawn to, to Bruce you? Lee. <laughs> and every time I see him, I'm like, you're so cool. And I, I hear interviews with him, and he's so like. What did you watch it on? Uh, oh, it's on, oh, it's on Netflix now, I believe. I think it just came to Netflix, so I watched that. Um, yeah, and I also rewatched Starman, which was a movie I saw when I was a kid with Jeff Bridges as an alien who comes to Earth. And it wow. is both genuinely good and also incredibly silly. Um, but I think it's a John Carpenter movie. Um, and I just wanted to rewatch it because I remember loving it as a kid. It kind of holds up. Uh, but yeah, I mean. There's some good stuff. I, th- I can't tell how much of it is my uh, nostalgia and how much of it is genuinely good. <laughs> yeah, that's the classic. What have you been watching? Um, this past week, I watched the entire series, Barry. That's a good show. It is an excellent show. Have you watched it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and a bunch of people said to watch it. I remember um, uh, like listening to interviews with you know, everyone on the cast when it came out and people were talking about how good it was. And I was just like, I don't have HBO. And then, uh, um, one of my buddies gave me his password, I think specifically to watch Barry. And, um, I just like mainline the two seasons and yeah. it is just, it honestly, I was, I, I, I was just like shocked at how good it was. The, like the writing, the characters, the casting, the jokes, um, yeah. Barry it is incredible. I was like, I I I haven't like yearned for a new season of something so hard in a while. That's great. I love I love Bill Hader, and it's cool to see him do something like this, which is a little bit different than what he usually does. Yeah. Um. I will quickly want to mention too that uh, speaking of reading, I've set myself like goals for the year, not just numbers, but like kinds of books I want to read. Oh yeah. And I have, there's a lot of blind spots that I would like to fill in just at least a little bit. And I've never read Jane Eyre, which is, I've never read anything by the Brontes. I've never read anything. I've read Jane Eyre back in the day, but I honestly don't remember much about it. I've never read anything about Jane Austen. Uh, So there's just a bunch of those things that I feel like I just need to sample. So I started reading Jane Eyre and it's really great. And I'm realizing how many adaptations of that film that I am kind of lucky I have not seen because as I'm reading it, I realize I don't think I hundred percent know the story. Right. So I'm excited because I don't want to, while I'm reading it, it'll be wonderful to just come in fresh and then dig into, I think maybe a handful of these adaptations that look like they have an amazing actors that have played uh, Jane Eyre. So I, I will be digging into those soon. How is the writing? Sometimes when you're reading something that old, it's like we um, talked in a different way. It can be a bit yeah. stuffy. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. yeah, I was actually talking about this uh, recently because I love I, I love old books and I think the language is beautiful. So I, mm. I'm very excited to dig into these. Um, this one, as much as I do, I love like Thomas Hardy's I'm a big fan of. I was a Shakespeare nerd for a while. Mm. Um, I love that different era's language. This one started off a little too flowery for me. The first like couple chapters, I was like, this is going to get 
old real fast, but it yeah. kind of it levels out after a couple of chapters. I mean, they're first of all, they were smarter. Let's just be frank; they were smarter. They had better, uh, better vocabularies than we will ever have. LOL, FML. Listen, that's not going to translate great to a novel. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how innovative. Um, they just had beautiful language. Sometimes they use it really well. Sometimes it's just a bit much. However, uh, yeah, like I said, this it kind of evens out. But the story is wonderful, and um, I'm really getting into it. But yeah, there's been you know here it's it can be a transition, especially if you read like a contemporary book and then you go back to a classic, and then you have to kind of adjust uh, kind of your perception a little bit. Yeah, I love it though. I think I'm going to be mostly reading classics this year. Like every third book will be a not not a classic. I think I need to brush up on my classics too. I think I used to read a lot of them. And then the past couple of years, um, there's just like so many contemporary books that are good and yeah. that I love that I was like, I'm just going to just pollen away on yeah. contemporary stuff. But that's, that's good. I should go back on those too. There's also, oh, sorry. I'm going, we should do a different podcast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but there is a list out there of this woman who did a year of reading and she read from every country in the, uh, a, a book from every country in the world and her list is out there. And that's something I want to do at least a few times this year is just pick a book from a country. I've never read a book from. Wow. Dude, send that to yeah, me. Yeah. I remember when I went to, when I went to Dubai, I was like, I want, and I was like looking up books about Dubai yeah. and the middle East. And kind of like every time I travel, my favorite part about traveling is like reading about the, like the area and I love like doing that literary dive and uh, um, I had such a hard time like in English, you know, of finding a book that was in English that wasn't like a white person being like, I went to this country and let me tell you how foreign it is. And uh, I was like, I want to read something like from, you know, by an author from this area. And it was so hard for me to find things of in the, for the UAE oh, sure. that were published in English. I'll send it to you. It's so great. I started out like a year or two ago with um, just, I just randomly picked an F uh, I think it's Republic of Congo. And I'm like, Republic of Congo. I, I know nothing about it. And I picked an author that she said was like one of their most prominent authors. And I read two, two of his books and they're so good. So it, the thing that I love is that I could f- discover something that is like a favorite thing of mine that I never would have known of because I'm, because I live, I live here. So it's been really rewarding so far. So I'm going to continue it. Yeah. This is Cinnabuds. Um, uh, what do I say here? Do, uh, stay, tuned, stay tuned for, could you, could you do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, stay tuned for Bibliobuds, which will, which is a fun <laughs> word to say. That is, fun. uh, Cinnabuds is produced by DJ Kenny Perez. Uh, we get sonic inspirations from License Lab. It's a beaker in a lab. Listen, I understand. This is your first time doing color, color commentary. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? Oh, oh, our theme song is by the lovely Brett Newski. The news. <laughs> right. Uh, we, uh, we get, uh, what else do we get? We get, uh, we're sponsored. Sponsored by? Is that how I say that? We're sponsored by the wonderful Associated Bank. Oh, we love you, Bank. Yes. 
and we get support from our members, our wonderful members from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Oh, thank you members so much. What would we do without you? We wouldn't. We wouldn't do. And last but not least, did I catch everything else? You did. You did a great Last job. but not least, there's one person we could not do this without. And that's Christopher Pollard. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the thing. I did, I never get recognized uh, in this show, and I'm taking this opportunity to take it back. <laughs> I was like, I was like, maybe he'll do. Maybe he'll thank me because he's doing the read now. I don't know what you're talking about. I wish I wish I knew what you're talking about. That is so good. But this is my time to shine. This is my time to shine. That is so funny. Thank you, K. Polly. Oh, that's not necessary. <laughs>